Welcome to the Integrated Wisdom Podcast. I am your host, Tatiana da Silva. Join me as we discuss what it means to live an integrated life and explore ways for you to create a life filled with greater meaning, peace, and connection. By integrating the wisdom of spirituality, psychology, neuroscience, epigenetics, and energy psychology, I hope to empower you to create deeper and more loving connections with yourself and others, whilst also paving the way for humanity at large to be reimagined and inspired to become the very best version of itself. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Integrated Wisdom Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. I apologize that I wasn't able to post last week. Uh, unfortunately, I caught another bug. They seem to be doing the rounds at the moment. <laughs> so today's episode, I'm going to be talking a little bit about how can we start incorporating spiritual concepts or a spiritual perspective into some of the strategies or approaches that are already more widely used to help us enhance the quality of our relationships our connections to others, our connections to ourselves. You know, I've I've spoken about this a little bit in a previous episode where there's been so many studies done and more recently a really kind of groundbreaking study outcome has been published that talks to the importance of relationships for the quality of our lives, for our life satisfaction, for our health outcomes, for our mental health outcomes, and really everything that we can do to create, develop, foster more loving, more connected relationships to other people, not just romantic ones, but in general, the higher the chances are that we will enhance our quality of life, our health outcomes, and even our understanding of our relationship to ourselves and when it comes to romantic relationships or deepening our connections with other people one of the things that we know is that you can really help to understand the way that people the different ways that people communicate their affection their tenderness their love and so that's what I'm going to be talking about a little bit today I'm going to be talking about the concept of love languages a brief background on know what it is where it came from how we can utilize it practically in terms of the way that we navigate our relationships but then I'm also going to pair it with the spiritual concepts that we've been talking about in some of our other episodes so firstly starting with love languages okay what are they so a little bit of a brief background almost 30 years ago believe it or not American psychologists Gary Chapman, coined the term love languages. And he distilled these insights from his work with, you know, people in practice, couples, where he started to observe that people expressed their their love, their affection in in unique and different ways. And often where there was a lot of conflict, it, it was stemming from the fact that couples in particular were in essence, conveying 
while we're sending signals of love and affection and bids for connection in different ways to each other. And and so he kind of had this this idea that they were in essence speaking different languages and couldn't understand each other. So often when people were making all these efforts to to be loving, to show love, it wasn't being received by the other person in the way that they intended because that person's preference for conveying the same things was was a little bit different. So Gary Chapman, through his own observations and, you know, really kind of distilling some of the insights that he he had reached, he concluded that there were, in, in essence, about five core preferences that people tend to to fall in when it comes to expressing and receiving love, affection, connection, which he dubbed the five love languages. And... His premise was that for people to really start understanding each other and and being able to bypass points of conflict, it was important for them to first understand what their preference was, but also really understand their partner's preference and communicate with their partner in their preference, not their own. So the five languages that he, he distilled were words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts or tokens, spending quality time together, and lastly, physical touch. So he he essentially loved people into one of these five preferences. And it's not that we don't enjoy all of those things. Of course, most of us will, will favor all of those things. But there will be one or two particular types that will supersede the others. So we'll tend to lean more heavily towards one or two of those five than the other. And when we're communicating love or receiving love, we're looking for for it to be delivered to us in one of those two preferred ways for us to really feel the impact of the connection of that. And, you know, some of the, the clues are in the title, but words of affirmations are really everything to do with expressions of of love affection appreciation so compliments saying things like i love you you know being really expressive either verbally or in in writing or other ways it's all about conveying the affection the love with words gift and tokens are pretty self-explanatory so there are people who who really feel loved and cared for when they're receiving thoughtful tokens or gifts. And it doesn't have to be big expensive things. It can be, you know, I'm at, I'm down at the shop and I see my partner's favorite treat, favorite chocolate or, or something like that, or favorite drink. And I get it for them. It's about conveying that, that thoughtfulness. I thought about you and here's this token that, that demonstrates that I thought about you. So that's gifts and tokens. Physical touch is pretty self-explanatory. So it's it, it, people who favor, who have a preference for physical touch, they really feel connected and close and loved and nurtured through lots of physical contact. So hugs, kisses, holding hands, cuddles, obviously intimacy, sex, all of these things are super important for someone who has this preference to really feel connected to their loved one. 
and we have quality of time, which again, self-explanatory. It's the ability to spend time together doing meaningful activities, where there is presence, where you know you're really connecting with each other, where there are no no distractions, where you're engaging in activity activities that are meaningful to one or both of you. So that's how these people, people who prefer quality time, tend to really feel connected and nurtured when those opportunities for connection are really prioritized. And lastly, we have acts of service. And these are things that we do that are thoughtful, that are in in the service of helping that person that we care for. So, for example, it might be cooking a meal for them or cooking their favorite meal. It might be running an errand for them to make their life easier. It might be, you know, even just bringing them that first cup of coffee in the morning in bed or, you know, it's it's essentially anything that is in the service of helping make the other person's life a little bit easier. It's in the service of helping them out. So that's acts of service. So as Gary Chapman distilled that, we tend to fall into one of these five preferences. He originally coined this term to talk specifically about romantic relationships and in the context of couples. But, you know, these concepts also translate across to other types of connections. So in the way that we interact with family members, in the way that we interact with our kids, all of all of the time when there were opportunities for us to connect with with loved ones, to connect with or to demonstrate care and affection for those around us, we will still generally fall into our preferred way of conveying that information. So having that insight into yourself, understanding what your preference is, but also what your partner's preference is or those around you who you're trying to really connect with, to deepen your bond with, it can really kind of create this really helpful foundation for creating a mechanism where both of you start to understand each other a lot more and start to communicate in in each other's language a lot more. So if I give the example of my husband and I, for example, for me, my I think I have two coexisting languages or preferences. I am really big on physical touch. Like I love cuddles, I love hugs, I love kisses, I love holding hands. You know, physical contact is really important to me. But also I really, really value quality time. You know, if I don't have that quality time with my husband, I start to feel that disconnect quite acutely. So those two things for me are probably the most important ones. Not that the others aren't important, but they're they're not as important as those two things. If I'm getting quality time with him and we're having lots of contact, physical contact, you know, lots of hugs, holding hands, all that stuff, then my cup feels full. Whereas for him... You know, he definitely has a preference for physical contact as well. Not to play with stereotypes, but I think a lot of men <laughs> tend to tend to prefer physical touch as a as a love language. Not always, but it, it tends to generally be more the the preference for men. But he's really big on acts of service. I know when I'm doing things for him, or 
I'm helping him out. That really fills his cup. That really helps him feel connected to me, like we're a team. So we have some similarities, but we also have some of these differences that we we need to navigate a little bit more. And a lot of that relies on that recognition, that that self-awareness, right? I needed to to understand, okay, this is what matters to me. This is how I need it. And then be able to ask for it and vice versa. So as I speak about these things, maybe you're starting to reflect on some of your own connections, your relationships, either current or in the past. And maybe you're starting to identify some, some clues about what your preference is if you don't already know it. I think love languages have as a concept has been discussed very broadly in in circles where people want to understand a little bit more about how to navigate relationships. So I find these days when I when I start working with couples, a lot of them already have done the the quiz in Gary Chapman's website and and know what their love language is. But for those of you who don't know, you might want to do that quiz to to start getting some insight into what your own language is or what your loved one's language is. I will put a link to the, the, the quiz in the show notes. But I've also developed a, a workbook that's all about achieving that self-reflection and, and understanding on how to incorporate your love languages more pragmatically, but with a spiritual lens, I guess. To, to really start to integrate these two concepts. Because ultimately, our relationships are the vehicle for our spiritual evolution. So we come to earth with the intention of growing and evolving spiritually. And we do this by the, the interactions that we have with other people. It's really, really difficult to to evolve spiritually, completely isolated and on our own. Now, that sounds a little bit bizarre, right? Because a lot of the time when people think of spirituality and spiritual evolution, we tend to, as a society, often associate it with these monks in a monastery who spend so much time in meditation and and self-reflection and really opening themselves up to to those higher connections. And I'm not saying in any way that those activities or that focus isn't important or helpful to a point. I guess what I'm saying is that it's only limited in its ability to be able to get us to where our sole objective is, which is to achieve that state of pure, unconditional love essence. That's the ultimate destination of our soul's evolution. And we can't do that on our own. So many of the skills, the emotional skills that we need to be able to develop and attain in order to pave the way for becoming pure unconditional love energy require interactions with other people, right? If I'm, if I am developing tolerance, if I'm developing the ability to be compassionate, if I'm developing the ability to be forgiving. All of these things require another person for me to exercise that muscle with. And so it's not surprising that our relationships have such a significant impact in 
the quality of our lives, the degree of which we have life satisfaction, but also that it has such a significant impact on our health outcomes, right? Quality relationships have a significant protective factor for our physical and mental health. And the opposite is also true. Subjecting ourselves for long periods of time to relationships that are not healthy, that are toxic, that are harmful to us, will have a really detrimental impact on our mental health and our physical health, as well as obviously the overall quality of our life and life satisfaction. So our relationships are paramount, but they're also the vehicles for us to be exercising some of the more higher level values that we're aspiring to as embodied spiritual beings. Sometimes we need to be able to navigate challenging relationships and and be able to connect with the essence of that person, to recognize their limitations and find compassion and expansiveness within ourselves, within our heart, to be able to accept and still care for that person. To be able to meet people where they're at is one of the most loving things that we can do for them, but also one of the most freeing things that we can do for ourselves, right? Because so much of our suffering, so much of the heaviness that comes in our relationships, that happens in our relationships, stem from our unrealistic expectations of people. And it's an art, it's a skill to be able to hold space for that person, for their limitations, for their conditioning, for even where they're at on their own spiritual trajectory and still be able to accept them anyway, right? Now, sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean that I need to stay in that relationship, right? Two things can coexist at the same time. I can accept your limitations. I can love your essence and recognize that there are limits to what you can do or what you can provide to me in in the context of a relationship because of where you're at in your spiritual trajectory, because of some of the the conditioning that you experienced in, in your earlier life, because of the own indiv- your own individual work that you have to do, still f- believe that you deserve love, give you the freedom to go through life in the way that you need to go through and take your time to get to that higher level of insight and and to get to the point where you're ready to do the work whilst simultaneously recognize that I deserve or need something else and it's part of having that boundary with myself and that self-love and nurturing of my own self and my own needs at this point in my trajectory is recognizing that you know unfortunately that means that we need to go our separate ways but with love with lightness right? Which it's it's a really tricky thing to do. Often when our needs aren't met in a relationship, it can lead to, to so much conflict, to so much heaviness, and it pits us against each other, and it doesn't need to. 
And I guess this is where having that awareness, that spiritual understanding, can be so helpful. Because sometimes that's the lesson for us. The lesson is we need to love ourselves. We need to to care for ourselves and take steps to meet our own needs, but in a way that doesn't demean or harm the other person. And But all of this, I guess, is happening in this bigger context of understanding that we are spiritual beings having a physical existence or experience, right? And so when we can hold on to that knowledge, that awareness, sometimes that can make it so much easier for us to find that that place of expansiveness within ourselves that then facilitates our ability to to give that that expansiveness back to the other person. And when it comes to really elevating our relationships to that to a deeper level of connection, to a deeper level of understanding, of awareness and connection, being able to, I guess, incorporate this more spiritual focus our values, what we're trying to achieve in our in our relationships from that spiritual perspective, incorporating that with you know the way that we navigate our relationships as embodied spiritual beings. So with the limitations of our physical body, our emotions, our own conditioning, having the two things come together, so harnessing our preferences for expressions of love together with these higher level concepts, it can really turbocharge our ability to connect with and enhance our relationship with other people. Which is why I've developed this this guide that starts getting you into this process of reflection, understanding what your love languages are, understanding how it shows up for you in your relationship with other people, but also with yourself and how you can incorporate more spiritual concepts, your values into the way that you're communicating affection and love to really enhance and deepen your connection with each other. So I'm going to also put a link in the show notes as well for this guide. It's a complete freebie. So, you know, I, I invite you to, to grab a hold of it have fun with it. It's super practical. It's full of reflection activities and practical suggestions of how you can apply these concepts, like how you can incorporate these concepts and apply them to your day-to-day interactions with your loved ones, but also to deepen that self-awareness and understanding of yourself and what your needs are in your relationships and in in navigating this crazy thing we call life. (laughs) So... I would love to hear what, you, what you're thinking about these concepts. Is this something that you've ever considered? Do you already incorporate spiritual principles or a spiritual lens in the way that you interact in your relationships? Can you see how your relationships have been aiding your, your personal growth? You know, you can always hit me up on Instagram at integrated underscore wisdom. I welcome your insights and I welcome your experiences, your questions. 
but I would also love to invite you to give me some feedback about how this content's landing, either by leaving me a review in your platform of choice or giving us a rating. All of these things help me understand if I'm providing value, what you'd like to hear more of, what you'd like to know more about, what you'd like less of. You know, I'm here to serve, so I welcome your suggestions and input. So I guess that's it. This week it's a bit of a short one. I hope you all have a lovely week and I will see you all next time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Integrated Wisdom. It is my sincere wish that today's episode may have intrigued and inspired you to reclaim your power and step into becoming more fully integrated spiritual beings. New episodes are published every Wednesday, and I hope you'll continue to join us as we dive deeper into what it means to live an integrated life. So if it feels aligned to you, I invite you to hit subscribe and share it with others who you feel may benefit too. You may also find me on Instagram at integrated underscore wisdom. Remember, each moment is an opportunity to embrace your divine potential and create a world that is more frequently inspired. So for now, stay connected, stay inspired, and keep shining your light into the world.